the Pro Tools Expert Podcast with Mike Thornton, Julian Rogers, and Dan Cooper. Welcome to Pro Tools Expert Podcast number 324. It's the 18th of June 2018. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm Julian Rogers. And I'm Dan Cooper. Okay, deals this month. We've got two great deals. Um, the first one's from my great friend Michael Carnes at Exponential Audio. Um, their sales are fairly rare. I was th- thinking about rare as rocking horse poo, but uh, something <laughs> of that ilk. Uh, <laughs> um, but Michael has a, a, a deal going on at the moment. Uh, until the 22nd of June, he's offering 30% basically off anything and everything on their store. And Synchro Arts are also having a 30% off pretty well everything, including upgrades and rentals, because you can rent the uh, Revoice Pro. Um, so again, check those out. And also, not only are they offering 30%, but they're also including over three hours of free Groove 3 tutorials as well. So uh, check that out. And also don't forget to check out don't forget to check out the deals from our partners on our deals page. Okay, talking points, and these are sponsored by our friends at Universal Audio. Thanks, Fab. Good morning, children. This is Fab Dupont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Do your vocal recordings need more shine? Are you in the market for a new audio interface? Well, if the answer to those two questions is yes, now could be a very good time to buy a Universal Audio Apollo Twin as part of UA's new Apollo Twin Platinum Vocal Promotion. Buy an Apollo Twin Mark II Solo and get Antares Auto-Tune real-time for free. Buy an Apollo Twin Mark II Duo or USB and get Antares Auto-Tune and the Manly Voxbox plugins free. Or buy an Apollo Twin Mark II Quad and get Antares Auto-Tune, Manly Voxbox and Pure Plate Reverb plugins all for free. You can find out more about this and other deals the Universal Audio team are running by visiting uaudio.com or by clicking the link in the podcast notes. I'm glad you fell over that as well as I did, because last, last, not last week, the week before when I read that, I, I kept falling over all the plug-in names in that, so... <laughs> But I, I edit this thing so smooth, no one need ever know. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so first talking point um, is uh, an article I put together, um, Top 10 Production Bad Habits and How You Can Fix Them. We uh, put the first one out last week, and the second one came out uh, on Sunday. So, um, obviously... I mean, this whole article sort of came about sort of looking at sort of things upside down, you know, rather than sort of saying, okay, what what do we do? What should we do better? It's some of the things that we, as all as human beings, tend to have bad habits about uh, various things. So I thought it would be good to look at uh, these bad habits. So uh, obviously, commend you to uh, go and take a look at the article. But I just wondered if we went round, go around the virtual table and um, see what sort of thoughts uh, these trigger, whether some of the topics that I've raised or other um, bad habits that perhaps I didn't include in these two articles. Uh, who wants to go first? 
Um, I'll jump in. I, was, I didn't get further than point one um, talking about comparing yourself to other people. I couldn't agree <laughs> about this more just because the first thing that came to mind was that um, audio, and I'm going to talk specifically about music here, it isn't a competitive sport. And if we look at the times when it has become a competitive sport, have we really enjoyed the results? A couple of examples spring to mind. For a start, the whole idea of uh, of the singing competition mm. and your whole kind of sort of, you know, X-factor type yeah. approach to things. And um, it's just preposterous. I mean, it's just awful. Um, basically, that way lies um, that way lies hours of melisma and uh, big... Ooh, big, big words. Notes. Oh, yes, melisma. Um, and uh, yeah, big uh, melismatic moments uh, with with pyros and t-shirt cannons and all of that, and that's just you know emotionally is that really affecting? I I, I suspect not, and this is why you know I mean there's been responses to this in the past. I mean you remember the whole unplugged thing, mm. and people were so shocked at the idea that you could actually just strip strip stuff away and make things more intimate, and things became way more rewarding. The other thing, um, the other example that springs to mind is uh, um, is the whole approach of uh, I'm, I'm going to point the finger at guitarists here, but uh, guitar is not a competitive sport. Um, I could say this about drummers too, actually, but uh, you think about your kind of you know uh, uh, speed shred guitar kind of stuff, and I mean this is a kind of thing that I've had lots of conversations, especially with kind of younger students, your kind of sort of you know sixteen year old kind of uh, rock kids. And uh, I, I, it was quite a regular thing when sort of, you know, looking at looking at music from the past. Um, I can remember reading reading in an essay once about somebody said that the Beatles were good for their time, but they wouldn't stand up against today's bands. And I just thought, I'm going to show that around the staff room <laughs> with the name blanked out for his own protection. It's just kind of like, no, this is this is clearly missing the point. Um, there's, I mean, there's but. Again, there's this whole idea, and this comes into our world quite directly, where things um, – I broke a bit of a personal rule, actually, last week, because in a title for a post, I talked about using a trick, and we hear things about production secrets and production tricks, and anybody who's being sensible about these things knows that really there isn't really any such thing, is there? There's, there's, there isn't a trick. There's a technique. <laughs> Yes. There isn't a secret. I mean, There's just a thing that you, you don't, don't yet start, know. Yeah, you don't start a tutorial with uh, agbrocadabra, yeah. do you? So <laughs> it's, 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 But the thing is, it's kind of like, you know, and okay, it's to get interest of kind of like, well, what is that? You know, mm. and it's, really all it is is an exercise in withholding what the, uh, what, exactly what it is you're going to do and giving it a snappy name, which is, which is fair enough, and I, I, hopefully people wouldn't criticise me for doing it too harshly. But it does lend towards that idea of kind of like, you know, you hear people talking about, yeah, you've got to get your mixes to a competitive level. Talking about, you know, volume level. Mm, and apart from people's, apart from the fact, apart from the fact that that's kind of quite an old-fashioned way of looking at it in these loudness normalised times. Yeah. Um, also, just competitive. Excuse me. And while it's true that people working in a freelance industry are you know, fundamentally, they are in competition with each other. Mm. But the way to deal with that competition isn't by being aggressively competitive. <laughs> you know, no, but you should be competitive as well because if you do hear someone else's work and you go, "Oh, I wish I wrote that song," or "Oh, that's such a beautiful mix," I wish I could mix something like that. It will make you try harder at developing your skills. Uh, I think that is important. That's, that, that's fair enough. But there are two mm. ways of, of of getting better. You can make yourself better, or you can make everyone else worse. Do you see what I mean? It's kind yes. of like yeah, yeah, yeah. there are there yes. are positive and, and negative ways of getting there. And of course, we should always try to be as good at what we're doing as we can. Yeah. But that's not 
at the expense of others. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that uh, that I picked up on in the f- number five in the first part was this whole thing about overpromising. Because you're talking about being competitive, and and you know what, especially in freelance culture where you're effectively trying to get work, and you may well be competing against a number of other freelancers who are all trying to get the same piece of work, and it's very tempting to to do the overpromise. Yeah, I can do that. I know all about that. I'm an expert in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get booked, and then it all goes pear-shaped because actually you're not that much ex- of an expert. And our industry is small and uh, word gets out and it's so much harder to to undo that um, mistake. It, it's actually costly as well because if you do let a client down, you may not get to work with them again. So you are putting a bit of a noose around your neck and standing on a chair if you overpromise when deep down you know you shouldn't be because if you do end up hanging yourself, well, it's your own fault. You kick the chair out from underneath you. And, uh, yeah, you, you do lose clients that way. I had a competitor that used to do this all the time, would overpromise, would try to under would charge less than I would, um, and these clients would of theirs would end up getting really pissed off with this studio would come mm. straight over to me and they're like will you charge more and i go but yeah i can do what you're asking what you're asking for <laughs> yeah. and i would and these are clients i've had for years and this studio went out of business just mm. saying it's just they were over promising left right and center and their website looked very good because they could do everything mm. everything no, no proof of work <laughs> mind yeah um and I, I was a much more humble affair i was dan in a studio around the corner Charge a little bit more. Yeah, very personal person, I like to think. What do you need? Let's let's brainstorm. Okay, so that's your brief. This is what I can do. Let's throw the two together and see if we end up with a good idea. You like it? Like that. Let's work towards that. There's the deadline. That's the cost. Everyone's happy. Um, but never overpromise because you really are just mm. setting yourself up. Julian, uh, we were talking uh, just before we started, and you were talking about uh, mixing standing up, which again oh, is yeah. an article I specifically wrote about because there's a post-production house that actually has set their Avid six S6 up so that you can actually effectively stand in a pit and mix stood up. And uh, I love that. I absolutely love that. I, it had never occurred to me that to drop the floor. Yeah, and for obvious reasons, it's not something most of us can do. But that's genius, just because you know. I mean, said in the thing about it keeps your head in the same place. But mm. uh, no, I mean, if, there was there was another conversation um, on a podcast I wasn't on about uh, about uh, life and mixing standing up. Yes. And yeah, of course, of course. And um, I'm, I'm actually the the mixer is usually higher up from, uh, in in my experience, and certainly, um, uh, I mean, this is the amount of gigs that I've mixed with uh, with the mixer on the flight case it came in. A yeah. little bit top heavy and a little bit narrow, but it's there because that's a really good height. But just remember not to lean on it. Mm-hmm. It's not the best solution, but I know I've done it many times. But standing up means that you stay engaged in what's going on. You're more active. Um, it's, it's a little while ago now, but, uh, in, uh, in a job that I had a few years ago, I deliberate, I, I felt like I was really just kind of getting sluggish and spending too long doing computer based tasks and I wanted to be more active. So I built myself a standing desk mm-hmm. and I didn't know how I'd feel about it. Um, I wondered whether I was going to have to take my chair out of the office 
to actually use it. And it's fine. I didn't have to at all. I set it up different. To, so I still had a sitting desk, but I set up somewhere else over, over in the corner. It's quite clever the way I, the way I made it because it was literally just a thing I dropped on and it was held up at the back by uh, the trunking with the sockets and network <laughs> ports and stuff. And it, no, it was, it was a really nice thing. But if you're standing, it puts you in a completely different mindset. And you go to where, in, in that kind of environment, you go to where your work is. So I just left my laptop. It's a laptop. I could have put it anywhere. Mm. But it was on there and I kept going back to it because what I was doing was laptop-based. It's funny you say about being engaged because when I take phone calls, I stand up and walk. I prefer That's it. interesting because it's I, something I've just started doing. I can't, because, I can't do it sitting down talking. I yeah. feel like I can't yeah, think. I so too, when yeah. Julian, Mike, you guys ring me, first yeah. thing I do is I step up, but also it gives me an opportunity to get away from yeah. the desk as well. I get up, I walk out of the studio and I talk to, to you guys on the phone or clients, or whatever. And it means I can, I, I talk with my hands. Um, so <laughs> I, I find it more comfortable. It's very mm. bizarre. But that's how I talk. And I find talking with my hands and walking, uh, I'm more myself. It's uh, funny you say that about down. talking with your hands because uh, <laughs> I, I did a video just recently that had an overhead shot of my keyboard. And yeah. uh, it, was, it was doing some little things. And I thought I'd, it might be might be interesting to have a shot of my keyboard. And I'm just going to do this keyboard shortcut and rather than having them come up graphically, yeah. see my hands. What I didn't realise was how much of the time, although there's no one else here, I'm I'm waving my arms around like some stereotypical <laughs> Italian. And of course, all across, all across that shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time it was just kind of like, wow. Um, it was um, with the standing up thing. The, the place I really wanted, uh, wanted it was uh, at the time I was working in a studio with a decontrol. I loved that decontrol. Brilliant mm-hmm. thing. But a decontrol is quite a big piece of equipment. It's a big reach if you sat down. It is. And if you're, and if you're, uh, I mean, there are, if you know your way around it, you never reach for the top row of encoders. You bring it to you mm. always. And this is the whole idea of the thing. But um, what I always found I ended up doing was I ended up kicking the chair away and uh, and just mixing on it. and it's 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 a bad height it really is a bad height and it's not good and uh, you know and moving around i mean i found it really helpful as well just because moving around in front of the speakers i mean i know th- this idea about the sweet spot but i felt like i got a much clearer idea of what i was doing and what it sounded like by actually moving around the room a little bit more anyway um but a decontrol, you you just can't raise it up. You know, it's too big, it's too heavy. The stand it's on is fixed height, and it was it was one of those things that I really wanted to be able to do something about, just because it would have been so nice to have been able to raise it up. And I've seen I've seen things where you you know motorized stands and things mm. like that. But being able to drop the floor away, that's just genius. It really <laughs> is. This is one one habit here that um, isn't. Uh on the articles, Mike, um, mm-hmm. we, we talk a lot about deadlines, don't we? You know, it's we always do. important to establish a deadline. It gives you something to work towards. gives you a little bit of wiggle room if you do need to spend a bit more time on a project, all that sort of stuff. But um, one bad habit, I, I've seen lots of people um, suffer, uh, myself as well, from many years gone by, is not starting a day strong, not actually getting into gear Um if you don't start your day, if you know if you're a bit wayward, you're a bit undecided what you're going to do with your day. This is all, you know, if you're self-employed, if you're a bit vague, your day starts at midday, two o'clock, and you waste valuable time. And I, I find, for me, um, I'm at my most alert uh, first thing in the morning after the kids have gone to school. So say half eight, my brain is as strong as it's going to be, and it starts to sort of get a bit confused and a bit blurry around about one o'clock. If I don't start my day at all, like about half eight, 
ready to go and I know what I'm doing. I'm planned. I've got a client in. I'm going to do this mix. I'm going to deliver this master, whatever. I get to one o'clock. doesn't matter if I've done no work. My brain's starting to do that slow down process mm. and a day's gone and I've lost a working day. So it's, it's always start a day. You know, it's a good habit to get into um, starting your day strong. I couldn't agree more with that. I, I This is something I'm very aware that, you know, after lunchtime, I'm pretty much good for nothing. But um, in the morning, and my day starts earlier than that. I mean, I've, I've for years now, I mean, at least a decade, I've been kind of like, yeah, if I'm not, you know, doing, if I haven't started work by seven o'clock, then, then it's late. It's a late start. Wow. Yeah. But the thing to do, and this is what I always, always try to do, is, I mean, I set myself a clear target of what I want to do that day. And when I've done it... I get the reward of going, right, you can do what you like now. Don't mm. keep going. Sometimes I do that. Yes. I had a very long day yesterday, for example. I was working till, working, you know, well over 14 hours yesterday, which is unusual for me. I tend to work, you know, work quite long days, but not excessively long. If you work, if you're working more than 12 hours of solid work in a day, you're working too much. Mm. And, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't happen every day. But uh, the thing that's really useful for me, is the last job of the day is to set up and plan what I'm do the prep work for the work I'm doing the, the next day. Oh, nice. This really works for me because then you sit down and you go, right, bang, straight away, you're in because it's already set up. The thing I find is doing the work isn't the difficult thing. That's just a mechanical thing that takes a long time sometimes and sometimes there's a lot of steps to it. But the thing that you need to get right before you can do anything is deciding what to do. Absolutely. Not not just generally what to do, but specifically I'm going to Action I'm going to show plan, people how yeah. to do this mm. and to do that I need a really good example that shows it off to yeah. in a way that people can understand because if they can hear what I mean then they'll understand what I'm saying and the two things are codependent. So that's what I try to do in the in in sort of you know late afternoon and evening is to go oh, okay, what have I got? What could I do? What about trying something like this and good ideas come from that. Um if you've got that the other thing of course is that prevarication that bit where you're going oh what should i do what should i do what should i do that's what your whiteboard's for <laughs> yeah but i just do this with clients yeah. when i used to have bands in um years ago um and if they agreed to use my drum kit which i always prefer is to use um, my instruments because i know what they sound like and my amps um i'd mic everything up the day before so yes. when they come in um obviously there'd be some yeah, it's all, most of it's ready obviously it's mm. all sort of there we might do some extra tuning or swap a snare drum over or just a little well, they bit might need bobs. to just move the yeah the way you lay the kit out yeah. might not be exactly we, how they do it yeah but it's, we might it's nine it's 80 90 percent dull absolutely but that meant that i had the time then that i would use let's say an hour sorting out the drum kit with microphones and cables and checking levels and all that sort of stuff i spent that time having a coffee with them so we could actually talk and plan about what we're going to do yeah. and how we're going to do it. And it would actually put me in charge of the session. And if, when I didn't do this, so when the clients, the band would turn up and I'm running around like a lunatic, I, yeah. I couldn't make eye contact with them. I'm on the back foot because it feels like I'm wasting their time. I wasn't. I'm working for them, but I'm not getting to know them, I'm not connecting with them. And those That's were so the sessions. Important. Yeah. And those were the sessions where the band huddles would happen. And yeah. I was all of a sudden the guy at the desk. I wasn't dan the producer and very yeah. big difference there very big difference when you're running a, a long weekend session with five other guys and yeah yeah so all of that sort of being prepped for a day hitting the day hard you know you know what you're going to do it, it works that's a, it's a great habit to have um and yeah if, you, if you're a bit lazy in the morning mm. yeah you no pay very for good it. point 
Okay, let's uh, move along. Um, Dan, we've got uh, some competitions this month. We have indeed. Uh, we've teamed up with Dyn Audio Pro and Audio Distribution Group to give you the chance to win one of six pairs of Dyn Audio Pro LYD Studio monitors in this very special two-part competition. Check out the story to learn more about how this very special competition works and how to enter. And we've also got another uh, competition to celebrate the launch of Studio One Four. We've teamed up with Universal Audio for one lucky person to win one of their amazing Arrow Thunderbolt Three audio interfaces for Mac and Windows. Link in the podcast notes. Great. Uh, second talking point uh, was an um, article, Dan, you've put together about uh, do you use uh, speaker calibration? Yes. Um, now, of course, uh, the, the we know your answer is yes. You've got yes. Sonarworks. <laughs> yes. My answer is yes. I have the uh, mini DSP uh, Dirac Live unit, which basically sits between my HD Omni which also functions as my monitor controller and my PMC monitors. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, in some respects, there was the... I think there was probably one... I wanted one more yes. Yes, I can live without it. Um, yeah, I can't live without it. Um, or, uh, or yes, um, it was a worthwhile addition. It's the sort of... Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm very pleased. I mean, for me, I've got good monitors in a in a designed room, uh, but it has made that extra bit of difference. There's no doubt about it. And that's what I think uh, room correction is uh, all about: is adding that extra few percent of um, I want to say quality um, definition. I think that's a good word, to your studio. You know what it's like. We can spend, uh, you know, a few hundred pounds on an audio interface and then we buy a better microphone and then in time we buy a better audio interface and then a better microphone and then we end up being a bit anal and then start buying really expensive cables and we just keep buying more and more expensive stuff uh, to have a better sounding studio, both on the way in and the way out. Then you get to the elephant in the room, which is the room. Do you know what I mean? And mm. no gear really can fix that. And But this kind of does something to help you have a better sounding monitoring experience. And it works. I mean, nearly three years I've been using this now, Mike. Mm. Um, yeah. It, it, that's, that says it all. I, I will not mix without it. It's that important mm. um, for, to me. Um, but when I talk about this with other people, it just seems like the people that do use it are like, yes, I'm completely with you. It's absolutely amazing. And the other guys that go, no, they've got a million reasons why they don't mm. use it. Where if you do use it, it just seems like people like me go, yeah, it's, it's the best. <laughs> it works. Um, and we don't really say anything else other than that. We just get mm. on and work. So, so Julian, what, where, are you, where, where are you on this uh, subject? Uh, I'm finding this quite funny just because um, I, I also am a Sonoworks user. Uh, I, I, it's, my, my, room's, my room's a funny one actually just because it's 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 far from an ideal space I mean, it's quite a nice room to work in it's not acoustically you're in it's a loft great. space aren't you i am so in a loft space got... so i've got i've got angled you know i've got the yeah. two sides of the roof coming up which which aren't great um uh minimal minimal treatment as well there's not a huge amount i can do with it but the thing that is quite nice is because of the space that i have um, I'm not up against the wall. And what I have experimented with is I've, I've experimented with how far along the room, along the, the, the obviously I'm working down the lengthways of, of yeah. along the apex. I couldn't possibly work the other way. Um, 
Uh, and it is quite interesting because I'm my speakers are probably about a third of the way down the room, which is quite unusual in a in a kind of domestic space setting. No, you really usually don't have that space. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I've got quite a big space behind for two reasons actually. The first one, the main reason why I'm this way around is um is because something that I've had years and years of is um, a real struggle to get around the back of my gear mm. to, to patch stuff and sort out cabling and stuff. And I can just walk around there. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's it's a real luxury to be able to go around. I mean, I, I come up in the morning and I go around, I turn my gear on by walking around the back of my desk. Um, I could get five or six people around there. It's not a problem. And uh, I can just I can just turn things on. Also, I did, when I was deciding where to put it, just with my sub, um, uh, I've got a, a pair of uh, very old uh, Genelec 1029s and a 1091 sub up here, which is absolutely fine for a room this size. Um, uh, and it's, uh, they're on proper stands and stuff, you mm. know, and, and it, that's, all, that's all okay. But what I did do was I, I did move, move it around and check out because the thing in a typical kind of domestic space that I found has been consistent across nearly every home studio I've ever been in is an enormous null. Uh, at the mix position at about a sort of about 80 to 100 hertz, usually yep. sort of bang yep. on 80 yep. hertz. And it's down to that axial mode. Hmm. It's got to be. It can't possibly. And it's because these no, rooms you, tend you, to be the same kind of size. Yeah, you're sitting in the, in, the, in the trough, as it were. Absolutely. And that, in a typical space, anecdotally, I mean, obviously this won't work in every size of room, can be around about a third of the way down the room. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that's exactly not where I am. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm, I mean, I, I'm probably three f- away from the wall I'm facing. I'm probably th- three fifths, you know, sixty percent of the way down the room. I'm certainly not halfway, uh, and and my and neither neither are my neither are my speakers and my sub. So you know, I mean, it's it's not the best sounding room at all. Uh, however, there's some things about it that work reasonably well, and because I've I've it's quite unusually set out. Back to um, speaker correction software, though. Uh, I, I, I used Sonarworks. Um, it, it is a, it, the system-wide thing is a really good Im- implementation, although it can be slightly annoying because of the way it's... Um, uh, if you're swapping between different different hardware a lot. Yeah, it, and it it's like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And when you're using virtual interfaces... Yeah. So using stuff like SoundGrid or Dante, Dante yeah. Via or something like that, and it's trying to apply it to all of these, and it go, no, 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 leave it they, alone. They need and to you've fix got, that. They you've got 64 that. inputs that it's asking about, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. no. Need, need, you, you should be able to lock that down and just say, yeah. no, this is my interface, ignore all others. Just I'm getting to the punchline, though, words. just because we started this conversation, and I looked up uh, at my desktop and I went, oh, I've, I've actually uninstalled it and I haven't had it on and I'd forgotten. <laughs> so I'm not sure how, how significant it is to, to me in that case if I could have uh, taken it off my machine because it was annoying me so much. Well, it's, it's and important for me because it's mixing. I need to make sure yeah, yeah. that my mixes sound good outside of this room and it mm. really makes a massive difference. If I don't mix with Sonar Works On, and I have done it a couple of times by accident where I've had other people's Pro Tools sessions and I've gung-ho i've just jumped straight into the mix and i've finished it and gone yes brilliant then i've listened to it on my um, playback systems down in my house and gone oh that's a bit 
that's a bit boomy. Mm. And that's my uh, like the that's, I'd be really interested stitch. to see your see see your um, EQ curve on that, just because Ooh, I can't remember what mine was like. I mean, I don't, I, I, it was slightly lopsided because I'm certainly not that I'm not symmetrical left right in here. Mm. Um, there wasn't a huge amount going on. I mean, it's, it's interesting. But what this probably brings back to me, which is something that I, I really i am not comfortable having to say, is that actually I spend so much of my time on headphones. I Nothing really wrong do. With that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm reluctant for that because I don't I've, – I've spent years saying, oh, headphones are rubbish and, you know, and I, t- honestly, I mean, it just – it suits what I do. Um, an awful, uh, a, a lot. To be honest, I forget I've got my headphones on half the time. Mm. Although I would say that the single best, in terms of monitoring, the best purchase I've made uh, in the last, I'm going to put a big note, 10 years, is uh, is, a, is the pair of open-back headphones I've got on. I'd completely forgotten about open-back headphones. But yeah, absolutely. Get some open-back headphones if you haven't already, <laughs> because they're, they're so as much better. As long as you're not going to put click track through them. I don't use them for tracking. Yeah. But so little of what I do is um, yeah. is, uh, is is tracking yeah. anyway, and I've got plenty of those. But yeah, no, fantastic for that. So yeah, it's a bit not a bit of a mixed bag in terms of my answer there. Um, no, what I really fine. want to do is I've, I've I'm yet to hear uh, a trin of, and I want to, I really want to, just because it's one of those things that is impossible to do anything with on online, as we mm. found out on the site. <laughs> Oh, you can make a video of some people going, wow, that sounds amazing, but that's yeah. about as much as you can do. Yeah. But I've, I'm, I'm yet to hear one. But um, the uh, the experience of listening to really sorted monitors in a good room with nothing on at all is so great that I really want to hear what it can do in an already good setup because, you know, mm. absolutely, they can, do, they can do great things for less than ideal setups where there's big, big issues that need sorting out. But I want to hear what they do if you've got a sorted room with sorted monitoring and then you put that on on top. Might not need it. I mean, don't forget well, trim-offs cost a lot of money. money. But, you yeah. know, and the, yeah, yeah, this is, this is one, again, one of those things that you, you've got to stay agnostic about and just kind of, you know, put yourself mm. in that space and have mm. a listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it just comes down to if you trust your, as I said in the article, if you trust your um, abilities to be able to mix on a set of monitors that, you know, sound like they sound, do you trust your monitors enough to trust your abilities to be able to mix something that's translatable um, out there in the real world? Because no set of monitors are perfectly flat. No room is perfect uh, in acoustics. So... It's just one of those things. In my last studio, studio before last, sorry, when I had the commercial room, that was quite a big room. That was bigger than this one. And everything sounded really good in there. I had really high ceilings. It was nice and deep. Um, It just sounded good. Everything I mixed in there sounded good out in the real world. When I moved the studio home to a small three by three metre room with a very low ceiling, Geez, no, no, nothing was working. Um, that's no, why I, sound hasn't got anywhere to go. Yeah, it just didn't work, you know. And I, that's when I got into sonar works, and all of a sudden I had my um, some trust back in my monitoring. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I've, I've gone with that. Okay, so let's have a look at some feedback from the community. Julian uh, Marcel's been in touch again. Uh, yeah, has indeed. Marcel Risberg. Uh, Mike, Alan, I hope the summer's treating you well. Uh, Thank you for what you do for the site. If you happen to come by a review sample, please evaluate the stem cell plugin. In particular, I'm interested in the base management portion of it. I'm not satisfied with my base management today. Still, mine's done after the HD Omni. Clearly, this plugin would be processing uh, the base management inside the box. 
The first question that comes to my mind, can I trust this for making mixing decisions? Uh, that would be awesome and so useful, best regard, Marcel. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it's a brand new uh, plug-in from the guys at, uh, from uh, Justin at uh, Cargo Cult. Um, and I seem to remember when I read the sort of sales stuff, it's like, this is really a boring tool. But basically, it, yeah. It, I mean, in some respects, it picks up off the back of what we've just been talking about. It's handling base management. Now, uh, there is an argument that says, uh, for us professionals, we shouldn't be doing base management. Base management is about uh, effectively routing the low frequencies that your your main monitors uh, can't handle into a dedicated sub. So in your case, Julian, you've got 1029s and you've got a... Uh, a, a sub to handle it and similarly you you as well dan you've got a sub yep um there is an argument that says base management for professionals is perhaps not the way to go but the reality is a lot of us haven't either got the budgets or the room sizes or, or certainly haven't got the budgets to uh to handle that i mean i'm very fortunate i've got pmcs which are full range uh i have a sub but of course it's only when i'm working in surround and i need the low frequency effects. I do not use it as a sub for base management because the uh, PMCs are perfectly capable of handling all the low frequencies I need to throw at them. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the same issue in some respects uh, as, as Sonar works, essentially, because it's a plug inside the box. Um, you've got to remember effectively to disable it when it comes to putting stems out because it, you know it's going to be a plug in your master your master fader um but in in practice there's no reasons why once whilst it's in you can you'll be able to trust it if you get the crossover set up appropriately for both your uh, satellite speakers and your sub um so it'll take need a little bit of of taking care of um but of course you've got to remember to take it out i mean you've got an hd omni like i have uh and uh, i much prefer to have all of that handled effectively in hardware outside of the pro tools world but uh for for, for folks that um it's you know it's again it's, it's a similar debate of sonar works which is a software solution although they've now got this software solution which effectively takes it out of the DAW um, versus uh, a hardware solution which happens outside the box altogether. So, neat little plug-in. Um, yeah, we will see whether we can uh, get our hands on uh, a unit to try out, and uh, we'll take it from there. So thanks, Marcel, for that. Kobamoto Rin's been in touch. Uh, Dan, he was asking about the song used in the Vocal Synth 2 review. Um, what was that? Yeah, this was a song I, I worked on uh, part of an EP quite a few years ago with a good friend of mine from uh, the Brit School called um, Sam Marlowe. And uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of the song off the top of my head, but we'll put a link in the show notes to his website uh, that has a link to the iTunes uh, where all his songs are on. So yeah, check the, so- uh, check the show notes out. Thanks, Dan. Um and uh, right okay so it's time for questions from the community and these are sponsored by our friends at rspe audio solutions the pro tools expert community feedback is brought to you with the kind support of rspe audio solutions great people and great prices 
RSPE is uh, proud to announce the new ASC Nano Attack Wall. It's a mini version of the ASC Attack Wall that takes all of the acoustic benefits of its bigger brother and shrinks them down to fit on your desktop. Get a reliable, repeatable and accurate sonic space that's extremely portable so you can take it with you when you move or work in another studio. Learn more at the RSPE Audio website with the link in the show notes. Mike, uh, Ben Lowe's been in touch. Hi, I'm seeing two LEDs of signal on channel 5 with nothing plugged in. I was wondering why this might be and how to get rid of it. All other channels look normal, but channel 5 shows two increments of signal. I'm I'm not quite sure what he's seeing that on. He's talking about his interface. Uh, So he's got a... I can't remember which Pro Tools interface it is, but um, so, you know, the the LED meters on the front of your interface, um, he's seeing... uh, you know two two leds lit up on channel five but no other channel um and uh, of course we've got our community support manager eric johnson who is one of our own sung heroes in the back room of uh expert and production expert and uh, he when he looked at this he's nailed it for me he's suggesting it sounds very much like um Ben needs to be talking to Avid or one of their service providers uh, as it looks like a hardware issue. Essentially, if you've got no signal coming in and you've got you know, readings on your LED meters, then that's almost certainly got to be, um, be a hardware issue. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, the only thing is uh, we, we checked with Ben and he's, he confirmed that the LEDs only light when Pro Tools is launched and closes and then obviously disappears when Pro Tools closes, um, which sort of su- may be suggesting that, that it's not so much hardware. I still have a gut feeling it's hardware. The only thing it could be is is a very, very high-frequency electronics failure, um, which is showing, which is effectively triggering the meters to display, but you're not hearing it because it's so high-frequency. Uh, so actually, I've got a, a similar but different um, scenario. When I boot up my uh, H, my my system, my studio, um, I've got my uh, Mac Pro digital audio output. So I'm running a, a, an optical cable from the back of my cheese grater Mac Pro into the optical ca- optical input of my HD Omni, which, as I said before, is is also my monitor controller. So it means I don't have to do any switching. If if there's audio to play from my Mac, you know, system stuff, auditioning stuff in wherever or iTunes or whatever, it's going to come out of my monitoring automatically. Um, and that comes in on inputs 7 and 8 on my HD Omni. And I noticed that when I boot my Mac up for the first time in the morning, those meters, 7 and 8, go up. Uh, and then they... It, when everything settled down, it all goes away again. Um, so again, you know that may well be something. You know, as I say, HF, very HF signal that that's coming out of my Mac Pro. That once everything settles down, goes away. So um, I think gut feeling would be uh, would be hardware. The only way you're going to be able to prove it would be to borrow another interface um, and see whether that um, whether it still does it or not. Um, or, or take your interface into uh, an Avid uh, dealer or service provider and put it on one of their systems and see whether your interface still does it. So sort of try rule out whether it's something to do with your system or your or your Pro Tools install or whether it is indeed a, a hardware issue. 
with your interface. Okay, uh, Lando D, I'm running Pro Tools 11 on a Mac Pro late 2013 trash can running El Capitan with a Duet 2 interface and all of a sudden I've been getting this error message when I drag and drop audio into Pro Tools. Could not complete the uh, the import audio command because assertion in volumes... Blah, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it goes on, 559. <laughs> five, yeah. The audio just hangs uh, in the task manager. I also get the above error if I attempt to use import audio. Uh, I went to Avid folder and deleted Pro Tools prefs, but couldn't locate com.avid.protools plist. Uh, I did edit a video in Pro Tools last week. That's the only thing I can drag, um, dra- the, only th- the only thing I can think of that made some sort of change uh, to not allow me to drag and drop anymore. Please help. Mike, got any ideas? Yeah, uh, the, these uh, assertion errors uh, and essentially the, what goes after. Um, the word assertion and and effectively the ending you know it'll be a line number it's obviously a line of code or something but for me where you you actually went in exactly the right place whenever i get one of those assertion error uh, messages come up it's time to trash the pro tools preferences so a little bit concerned that you couldn't find the uh, pro tools dot p list file um but i would always recommend that uh, obviously for mac users you get the free app Pro Tools Prefs, uh, written by a guy called Pete Gates. Uh, we'll put a link to the story all about that in the show notes. Um, as this goes and finds all the appropriate files spread around your system, because they're all in specific places. Uh, when Pro Tools installs them, they go into specific places. And so, obviously, PT Prefs knows where to look. And the other great thing about uh, PT prefs is you can back up and restore. So once you've got a fully working system, you can make a backup copy of all these files so that when something goes pear shaped um, and you have to trash the preferences, you can then reload uh, your backup version and you haven't got to go through your system and reset all the different preferences that you've probably forgotten which way you had it all. Um, so uh, really useful. I mean, obviously, if you do find that even doing the full uh, uh, PT prefs, clear everything out, start again, doesn't fix it, then you may be into a position of having to do a full Pro Tools deinstall and reinstall. Uh, and obviously, when if you do need to do a full deinstall, reinstall, then make sure that you make safety copies of some of the key folders, especially your plugin settings folder, and perhaps also your plugin folder itself, because if you do a proper full deinstall, it wipes everything. And I think if you have something of this sort of order as a problem, you, it would be better to do a proper deinst- a full deinstall um, to make sure that you aren't leaving any bits of uh, Pro Tools software, uh, code and files kicking around that may be what's gone. You may or have a corrupted file of some description in the install. So uh, try Pro Tools prefs, uh, PT prefs from Pete Gates, uh, link in the show notes. And if that doesn't work, then I think it's time for a full deinstall and reinstall. It's just a thought, Mike, but if I see um, assertion volumes in mm-hmm. an error message, it makes me think of the databases. Um, is that correct, <laughs> do you think? Um, I know what you mean, uh, and... There was a time with Pro Tools where the databases was something I, I would often get, you know, would get this sort of message and we'd be going into hard drives and 
deleting the uh, digi design databases that that Pro Tools put on on each of your hard drives. But that those sorts of files tend not to be. I think the more recent version of Pro Tools tends not to do that sort of thing anymore. So right. you had the the files. There were there were two places you had to go on each of the hard drives, and then there was a folder in in the boot drives. It's too long ago for you to remember exactly where it is, but there was a folder on the boot drive that sort of kind of had a a library file as a database file as well. But I think we are now uh, past that. Although you know, even because you're talking Pro Tools 11, I think it's Pro Tools 10 and earlier that had those DigiDesign databases. So when they rewrote the code and, t- and changed it from a DAE to an AAE, you know, the new Avid Audio Engine and all of that that happened with Pro Tools 11. I think it was at that point that those things uh, were nowhere near the issue they used to be. So it's easier than it was. Well, there's progress. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Mike, Rick Caswell's been in touch. Uh, Does anyone know if you can still update to Pro Tools 10, or does the update have to be to Pro Tools 12? Uh, I know the question sounds stupid, but I have my reasons. No, there's never any stupid questions, uh, because if you don't know the answer, you don't know the answer. So no need to apologise for that, Rick. Um, unfortunately, you are you have picked up on the the problem here. Avid only offer upgrade pass to the current version, which is currently the 2018.4. Because of course, at the beginning of this year, Avid changed its uh, numbering system, so we no longer have Pro Tools 12. We're now using the uh, year and the the number after the the period is the month in which that release was made. Um, now, presuming that because you want to update to Pro Tools 10, you must be on a version earlier than that, so Pro Tools 9 or or 8 or even 7, the only way you can get a copy of Pro Tools 10 and the iLot license that will you will need to go with that is to turn to sites like eBay and the like. But, and it is a significant but, this can be a problem as buying software, secondhand software, for want of a better word, can be quite risky. And we've got two stories on our site, and we'll put links to those in the show notes, where people have uh, fallen foul of trying to buy software, and, and certainly with Pro Tools, um, it, and certainly with Pro Tools HD, it's pretty well impossible because uh, Avid don't allow the licenses to be transferred from one account to another because the the whole concept pre-standalone's Pro Tools Ultimate was um, the software went with the hardware. Um, So, yeah, that essentially you're going to have to look at buying, uh, inverted commas, a second-hand copy of Pro Tools 10 if that's what you need to have. Um, And that will need to be sourced from... Uh, some sort of second-hand place. I don't think there'll be any dealers kicking around now that will still have a uh, no. boxed version of ten. Uh, you know, we're we're going back a long time. Um, so, uh, I yeah. think they moved all of that uh, that stuff a few years ago by bundling in. Because um, yeah. I bought one of these things years ago. It was, it was an inbox. It was um, when was that? About four years ago, and they said it comes with Pro Tools Eleven at the time yeah. for free it, it wasn't i got a pro tools nine box mm. and a little card with it saying into this to, into the avid website once you've registered yeah. your pro tools nine to get pro tools 11 so I, I think all of those old old boxes of uh pro tools yeah. have been well and truly shifted many years ago so yeah i'm, I'm with mike look on ebay but 
at your own risk. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. Uh, And that's even on a good day. It isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, time for uh, Find of the Week. And this is sponsored by our friends at UJAM. UJAM Instruments plugins are your studio companions. Always on call when you want to write, play and record tracks. Take seat in the producer's chair and tell your player what you need. This means a maximum of musical and sonic integrity and versatility and a minimum of your precious energy required to get there. Discover our virtual instruments at UJAM.com. So, um, find of the week. Dan, what's your find of this week? I don't know how useful this is going to be for uh, members of the community, but for me, I found my drumstick bag that I thought I lost <laughs> when I moved house last year. And I don't, oh, wow. That, that Seriously was, lost then? Yeah, no, yeah, really, completely lost. I found it in the corner of my garage. It's a, it's a little black bag with, oh, I don't know, 25 sets of sticks in. Uh, and over the years, you know, that's cost me quite a bit of money. Um, mm. And I couldn't find it. And I was like, I don't really want to, you know, start collecting drumsticks again. Because I, I like to have lots of different weights and different start, types of sticks, mm. rods, brushes. Um, yeah, I just didn't want to start buying all of that again. And I found it. It was like, yes, Eureka, I found it. The only bugger is, though, I can't seem to find my Digi003. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't find it. Uh, it but how do you lose a control surface? I have no yes. idea. I remember... I remember packing it away when I moved the studio. I can't find it because my wife wants to use it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's holding a door open somewhere. That's what some... 003s are for <laughs> these days. Oh, God knows where it is. But yeah, that'll be hopefully my next find of the week when I, okay. when I locate that. Very literally find of the week. <laughs> yeah, literally. Mike, what's your find of the week? Uh, well, my, it may seem a little bit bizarre that uh, I'm claiming my find of this week is my Mac Pro cheese grater, which, of course, um, <laughs> it's getting a bit <laughs> long in the tooth, as it were. Uh, but, I know the feeling. Um, but there's still life in the old dog yet. And uh, it's it sort of all triggered from the fact that we've just had the announcement to, about uh, Mac OS. Um, Mojave. There we go. Got it. Mojave. Not not uh, Yosemite or anything like that. It took me ages <laughs> to get into Yosemite. And uh, yeah, I, when I first read this, I thought, oh, Mojav. No, <laughs> my, my daughter corrected me. <laughs> Mojave. Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, um, and um, one of the things that flagged up in the news story was uh, they were talking about compatibility with uh, Mojave. And basically, it's, you've got to have a Mac that's at least a 2012 version, except the Mac Pro, where as long as you've got a new graphics card, so you're not using the stock graphics card, it'll work. Um, and so uh, we've recently put out an article um, that is uh, that outlines which of the uh, graphics cards are likely to work with a 2010 or even a 2012 Mac uh, Pro, the cheese greater ones. 
Um, but uh, I'm fortunate that my mafi- my graphics card that I updated a while back, and there is a story on the site about that, um, is in fact uh, compatible already with um, Mojave. But I'm also going to be doing quite a bit more work with my Mac Pro. I'm going to be re- uh, I'm going to be quite soon upgrading the processor chips, um, and then also looking at putting in some PCIe high speed storage. Uh, so that I can get as much out of this uh, old dog as I possibly can. So uh, watch out for articles in the coming week. Julian, what about you? What's your find of the week? Uh, mine was uh, was an application that, that I found called Session Recall, which uh, it kind of it takes the idea that um, was in the Snapshot plugin that that we that we the ran some stories one, yeah. on a while ago. Uh, but rather than taking a photo of the uh, of your hardware and storing it in the plugin, which uh, it's a very sensible way of going. Uh, here you've got. I mean, it looks like plug-in versions of uh, of um, uh, some quite nice uh, audio uh, analog audio. So they've sort of pre-created the graphics for they've you. They've created the the GUI, but there's no processing involved. It's just for recall of, of settings on on hardware that you own. Um, it's free, but you you pay for the uh the the units you want to install they've got they've got quite a few i mean i'm looking at kind of like the 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 legal side of stuff because i mean they're doing stuff from 32 brands 140 uh, 145 racks 35 i'm not quite sure what they mean by that but i mean some of these just look like screen dumps from plugins they do i mean they are basically they're plugins without the plugin yeah (laughs) if you think of it that way but they do quite a bit of quite a bit of uh the EAR, Universal Audio, stuff like that. Uh, so hard, labs. hard things that haven't never had a plug-in. Oh yeah, but but this is, I mean, this is you know um, aimed at people who have that hardware and want to recall mm. the settings. There's a couple of notable exceptions, and I was wondering exactly why that was. They say that they're they're doing um, they're doing more, and uh, if there's something that you want, then kind of you know let them know, and and they'll they'll look at it. But uh, right down at the bottom on the credits bit, it says that um, uh, the devices were created with the agreement of the proprietary bands, but brands, but without affiliation. Maybe I mean I know it's like there's no Manly, for example. And if you're talking about mastering chains, that's a bit of an omission. Maybe Manly aren't on board. I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? But this sounds a bit like, like licensing issues, yeah. and they're trying to do it properly and get which good on license. them. And it's yeah. it's a nice it's a nice model, just because you can get the application. Then as you buy, if you've just spent several thousand pounds on a high end piece of mastering equipment, then uh, you know a handful of quid for a uh, for a GUI version for this isn't really going to swing it one way or the other. And if it makes it more use, <laughs> useful, it's not going to be a deal breaker. It, it yeah. is honestly, <laughs> but, but these things are really useful because I use the digital recall sheet plugins that Tegla. Uh, released um, when I use my Tegla stuff and they are really really useful um, a little tip if you do use these if you've let's say you've got um, three insert hardware insert points on your master um, like I've got for my three outboard Teglas I have a, an aux track next to that that's blank doesn't have anything but I've got my plugins on that next to it so I've got the hardware insert and then to the right of it on the next channel so the aux I've got the uh, recall plugin, so I can click on that and go. Ah, that's why I left my settings. Lean across and yeah, put my hardware back. It's really nice. very useful. These this sort of stuff, very useful if you have got outboard. Great. So on that uh, interesting tip, uh, it's good night from me. It's good night from me, and it's good night from me. Bye.